0: Articles of Faith is a weekly interview show featuring scholars and writers who have written about the doctrines and teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Articles of Faith is a production of Fair Mormon and is hosted by Nick Galletti. Jeffrey Thane grew up in Elkridge, Utah, collecting bugs in woodland hills behind his home. He has wanted to be a physicist, a detective, an entomologist, a cartographer, an explorer, a linguist an astronaut, an architect, a writer, a teacher, a video game programmer, and all of the above. He therefore graduated from BYU in April 2009 with a degree in psychology. A master's degree in psychology also at BYU and is finishing a PhD in instructional technology and learning sciences at Utah State University. Jeffrey is the author of the blog article on the Millennial Star blog entitled Some Thoughts on Discipleship and Staying Mormon. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you for coming on to Articles of Faith and talking with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I
0: appreciate it. No problem. You actually blog under the name LDS Philosopher. So I'm curious where, just where did that moniker come from?
1: Um, I, I actually don't even recall where it came from. I just always had an interest in philosophy. My, um, my master's degree in psychology—you w- would, would probably be better termed a master's degree in theoretical psychology. My focus was on the philosophical assumptions behind, you know, psychological ideas, and I've just always been interested in the philosophy. I've, I'm kind of growing out of that moniker, mainly because, <laughs> okay, um, well, I still use it because that's where, that's, where, that's you know, where I, my username is on a lot of places, and that's where I, I you know, blogged a lot under. So I still use it, but I, um, you know. But yeah, that's where it came from. Okay, all
0: right. So, well, so sometimes I I ask myself the question when it comes to fighting the good fight online. You know, being a voice online. Uh, when it when when is the time where enough's enough? Where I've said enough? Where I've written enough? Now you've been blogging for a long time, so I'm curious. Why do you do it? And, and what keeps you going? Being that voice
1: online. Um, honestly, I. Sometimes really get tired of it. There are times when I say, <laughs> when where I, where I tell myself, I'm just not going to blog anymore, and I'll go a couple, three, four months without without making a peep online as far as blogging is concerned, until I read something that gets my blood boiling, and then I'll go back and read again, uh, write again for you know a, a, another post or two for some reason or another, and then basically also I just feel like what motivates me more than anything to blog is the feeling that that I see that so many of my peers in the church or friends have adopted ideas that i think are contrary to the latter of the same faith and they just may not realize it and so oftentimes i i i i write with the intent to kind of expl- explicate the, the the assumptions behind the the things that we say if that okay. makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and as you say you you often write responses to current events, maybe even criticisms that are leveled against the church and in this recent article you did on the Millennial Star blog, you respond to an article entitled how to stay Mormon when you're tired of Mormons? Uh, how, how would you classify that original article?
1: I actually, th- I actually think it was a pretty good article. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you a little bit of the story behind writing this blog post. Okay. When I first read the article, I skimmed through it like I skim everything when I, I read, and at first, I really didn't like it. My wife is the w- one who showed it to me, and she really didn't like it. She sent it to me like, I don't know that I like this article, and I read it, and I'm like, I don't know that I like this article. So I, I started writing a response to it, a very, very critical response. And then somehow about halfway through my critical response, I paused and I just felt like maybe I should go read the article again and actually read it through word for word and figure out what is not only what the author is saying, but what is she meaning, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I read it again and I realized that this wasn't an article to really criticize a whole lot. And I ended up changing a lot of the tone of my original post, you know, instead of saying things, I think that like, instead of um you know talking about all the things i, I uh, problems i had with the article i started talk, i started off by talking about the things i like about the article and i ended by talking about the things i like about the article instead because i realized that there was a lot to like about it so i
0: guess wh- who do you see it then as the audience for for your article and perhaps even the, that original article who, who are you speaking to
1: the original article I think was written for uh, written to those just as a very broad audience. I think is written for to those who feel like they don't belong in, or don't fit into the church. That's what the author states. Um a friend of mine um actually posted my response and made a really good point and said that honestly we all don't feel, feel feel like we don't fit into some degree or another or for some reason or another. We all at times have that have struggles with some element of church teaching, some 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 commandment or another and if if those were made as prominent as the current culture wars of today, such as same-sex marriage, we would all feel like we were being alienated, alienated to some degree. If yeah. that makes sense. Okay. And I think what's happened is that the culture wars today, particularly focusing on issues such as same-sex marriage, and right now currently on modesty, which we're seeing a lot of going around in the social media in the past couple of weeks and in the past year particularly, you know, in some of these culture war issues, those who don't, those who dissent from the current norms in the church right now. Um, feel alienated because those are the issues that are making the blogs, those are the issues that are making the news, so to speak. And so that, so, so that's what's making them feel a little bit different or a little bit separate from, from their peers in the church. Again, I think that if other issues were to also get the, as much attention, we'd all at times feel a little bit alienated from our peers in the church in that regard, because we all have struggles to some degree with certain commandments, certain teachings, certain cultural norms in, in, in the church. So I I and so I think there's a narrow intended audience but I think the audience really is everyone.
0: Okay. Interesting. Now you you kind of address this context uh, with respect or this article with respect to the context of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um and and that currently is one of those issues that seems to be a a very hot button word. Um so so there there's many different ways to of course look at doubt mm-hmm. and church leaders have spoken on this and things like that. So how do you address the subject of doubt in this article?
1: Um, in this article, I, I think I mentioned it. Um, I, 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 I think I've certainly mentioned doubt as part of, you know, if we, if we don't feel like we believe yet or, 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 or we're struggling to believe certain elements of church teaching. You know, for example, I say I would prefer the title, How to Stay Mormon if You Aren't Convinced of Everything the Church Teaches. But I don't feel like I truly address doubt in this article to the okay. degree that I that I feel like I feel like I can write whole other articles on doubt. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like that was the topic of this post per se. Except that to say that if this is you, if you, if if you if you do struggle, here are some things that you can do. Okay. Um. You know, remember that Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. Remember, you know, find opportunity to communicate with God, and remember the covenants you have made with God. Yeah. And if you do those three things, I think a lot of the um. The issues or questions you might have will fall through the background. They may not be answered right away, but they'll fall to the background and be, and become less important.
0: Yeah. So I, let's let's get to those three things here in just a minute. Mm-hmm. I'd like to discuss those a little bit further. But um, I, I guess I get the impression that as you were kind of speaking to the same audience as that original article, you are also offering a different approach uh, to to making yourself feel more comfortable at church rather than having the church make you feel more comfortable at church is that there's a distinction there that i i think is important to clarify as well is that a fair assumption
1: but that is a fair assumption the original article um i think did a lot of good things here there's um um the, the original article focused less on what much less on what the church needs to change and what, m- more on what we can do personally to, to feel more comfortable at church and i think that's great I think there's a lot of articles out there just focusing on what the church needs to change to make you feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably the wrong approach for the most part. There's a sense in which this, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Even if nobody ever made a comment about your particular uniquenesses that you feel like make alienate you from the church, even if let's, let's say let's say for example, like let's just use an oddball example. Let's say you watch rated R movies, and there's a norm in the church that you shouldn't watch rated R movies. If if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what makes you a Mormon misfit, quote-unquote. Let's say that nobody ever made a comment about it. But just the sheer fact that it's a norm in the church, that, that most people don't do this, and even if nobody ever said about it, I feel like people would still not fit in. There's nothing that the church can do as an institution to make those who don't adhere to the norm to not feel alienated to some degree because of that. I think that's, I th- I think that's normal. I think we all experience that. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The question at hand is... Um, Going back to your question, I feel like I'm contrasting my approach with what I felt like was reading in the approach of the article. I think that after the original blog author's response to my, my response, I don't think that they're all that different. The original blog author went through and actually edited some of her responses in, in response to some criticism that she had received, and, and partly in response to my, my response to her. My initial reaction was that her um, suggestions focused, the person, focused us inward, like, if you don't feel like you fit in, take time for yourself. If you don't feel like you fit in, focus on what you need. If, you know, focus on what nourishes you, et cetera. And I feel like what, was, what I feel like was missing was a, a turn outward towards God and towards Christ. I feel like, you know, in all reality, what we need to do if we don't feel like we fit in in Christ's church— is we need to, f- to focus on relationship with Christ we need to turn outward we need to reach outward to God and we need to reach outward to others we need to to serve others we need to live the covenants that we're making and so I feel like the distinction I, f- I felt like I was making in my original in- when I first wrote the post was kind of a distinction between turning inwards and turning outwards
0: yeah and and I think you you introduced some philosophical ideas uh here with this uh idea that there's expressive individualism mm-hmm. and discipleship are the two things that you kind of focus on what then is the difference or did you just kind of did you kind of explain the difference between those two things expressive individualism and discipleship
1: i i feel like i explained the difference in the article in, in in a summary way expressive individualism assumes that um who we are or it basically assumes that assertions of individuality like me being myself and being who i truly am inside is more important than adhering to whatever moral traditions that we feel like are imposed on us from without. So within an expressive individualist worldview, there is a constant conflict being, going on between who I am and who society wants me to be. And the, the philosophy of expressive individualism says that we need to fight back against the society's impositions and express ourselves, be who we truly are, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think um, oftentimes, we, I, see, I see a lot of blog posts out there. I read a lot of blog posts that... Um, that that kind of just adopt this assumption that the church wants you to be a certain way. There's this imposition of this, this this moral tradition upon you. That but but you need to figure out who you really are, and that is what's most important. We ignore everything the church says, ignore everything society says. Be who you are, mm-hmm. and that's who God wants you to be. And I feel like there's this kind of implied or implicit expressive individualism. And to be honest, I thought I saw that in the article that I was critiquing in this blog post. When I go back and read, when I went back and read it a few times, I realized it's not there as much as I thought it was there. And I toned down, you know, I toned down the critique. And so instead of saying the problem with the original article was that it implies or assumes expressive individualism, I took those sentences out and I just said here's here's some thoughts I've been having about expressive individualism, and I just made a made a general philosophical discussion instead, or at least I tried to. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense.
0: Well, and and with that being said, it also ties into this other. Concept that I hadn't really spent much time viewing or looking at, and that is taking a more kind of I don't know consumer approach to the church. Right. Um, so what what do you mean by by having a consumeristic approach to the church?
1: Basically, the, the question is what can this, what does the church do for me? That, that's that's the, the essence of the consumeristic approach to the church. I think there is a sense in which. Our own beliefs of, in, in the LES church some, sometimes inadvertently cultivates a consumeristic attitude. For example, we believe that men are that they might have joy. So the question is, what brings us joy? And the question is, how does the church bring us joy? And the question is, how can the church change to bring us more joy? And you can see this progression from, from the doctrine to this consumeristic attitude. And I don't think we should take that path, per se. Gotcha. You know? True joy, I think, comes when we submit ourselves to God and follow, follow the teachings of the Savior Jesus Christ. It, it, and, and i think and i think sometimes that that might mean the s- sacrificing our current our the contentment in the present you know there there might be things that we might feel like we want such as um like maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about how we have the need for food and shelter and then we have a need for esteem and we have the need for love and belongingness and then we have a need for self-actualization and whatnot i think oftentimes we think about the church in those regards that that's what i mean by a consumeristic approach how did the church meet my needs as an individual? And if the church is not meeting my needs as an individual, what should it, what, what should it change in order to do so? Mm. For example, if I'm not feeling getting my, my, my love and belongingness needs from the church, if I don't feel like I belong, the church isn't meeting my needs, ergo, what needs to change? The contrasting approach to discipleship is asked, what does God want me to do and how does God want me to live? And, it, and I, think, I, I think it's an entirely different approach to religion altogether.
0: Well, and, and sometimes people may say, oh, I, I, as I understand it, the church was instituted so that we could find greater faith, that we could have these things. So there are aspects of the church as a, as a religion that is for people. It does exactly. provide certain things, but you're saying that it's better to take the position as an individual not to say, okay, so what are those things? Let's enumerate what the church is supposed to be doing for me and let's go get those. It becomes more of a... In what way does does the church facilitate enacting God's will in my life? Is that, that fair?
1: That, that's that's a perfect way of, of stating it. Okay, I, I I think I think um I, I think El-El-Ukdor said it best. Um, those who want more opportunities to serve and uh, serve their fellow man, will that is what the church offers you. It offers you a framework and a, st- a structure for for living your covenants. Um, it offers you systems and mechanisms and means by which you can uh, um but that, that scaffold your 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 covenant lifestyle um you know a scaffold is something that that kind of holds a structure up while it's currently being built and currently none of us are none, none, our faith is um our our covenant lifestyle is currently being built we None of us are living our living our covenant perfectly but the church is there to scaffold our covenant living to provide us with with programs and means and opportunities ample opportunities to serve our fellow man that we might not realize or know otherwise if that makes sense
0: Yeah um all right well let's let's move on then let's kind of finish up where you give your three suggestions to to help people feel more at home in the church and as you put it not feel like strangers or foreigners so you mentioned the three things earlier but let's start with the first one, remember that Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. Why is that important?
1: Um, I think that our, our, our attention should always be on Christ. When our attention is not on Christ, or, uh, um, most, likely, most likely when our attention is not on Christ, it's on ourselves. And I think that the, the best way we can to, can uh, overcome our, our, our deepest selfish tendencies is to focus on the Savior, to focus on what he did for us, to focus on, on um, how we can serve him, to focus on how we can become more like him. This is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All else falls into the background, and we're told by, by, by prophets and, uh, uh, and apostles over and over again that he, is, that he is the cornerstone of our faith. Joseph Smith said that, that the atonement of Christ is the, the, center, the, corner, the center of our faith, and all else are appendages to it. And I think, I think sometimes when we're struggling to fit in in the Church, we're being distracted from that to some degree when we like if we have a particular different a different opinion on 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 something than many of our fellow mormons and that's making us feel alienated from our peers i think that i think that we're being distracted from the focus what our focus should be and that is on christ and that's something that we should all have in common
0: okay so it's a matter of priorities then
1: yeah exactly
0: okay number 2 is find opportunities to communicate with god you think that would almost be a natural f- outflow from number 1 uh, I, I
1: think it is. And to be honest, I, 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 I wrote these three basically over the course of like three minutes. I just thought of the first three that came into my mind. I didn't, I didn't sit down and spend like a couple hours piecing together. Not what, an exhaustive
0: in, research paper is what you're
1: saying. Exactly. I just thought, the first, like I was thinking, so how, the, the, go back to the question, how can we turn outwards instead of inwards and our, our moments of faith crises? How can we turn outwards instead of inwards when we feel, don't feel like we fit in? And the first thing that came to mind is focus on Christ. Focused on prayer, communicating with God, and focus on our covenants. So finding opportunities to communicate with God, pray to God, talk to Him, pour out our souls to Him on a regular basis. When we're praying to God and talking with Him, those those, those are the, most, the best opportunities to focus on and, and try to, to learn what He wants us to do and focus on His will.
0: Excellent. So let's do number three, the final one here. Remember the covenants that we have made with God. Now that's that almost seems kind of like a difficult thing, to ask someone to do when they don't agree with the church and they see the church as the kind of the hub of their covenants in some respects, the administrator of those covenants. So I could see this being probably one of the more difficult of the three, and that is to remember the covenants that they've made. But it's how do you, how do covenants help someone overcome these struggles or maybe even overcome the doubts that they have?
1: Um, I don't have. I don't. I don't know that I had a great answer to that question. But the first, my, the first thought that came to my mind is that when we when we actually look at what we covenanted to do, like mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, stand the witnesses of God in all times and in all places, you know, and, and we look at the covenants covenant we make in the temple, very few, if any, of those are the things that people genuinely struggle with about their about their faith, like. Like like if I don't feel like if I don't feel like I don't fit in because because I I don't I I believe in in, in the law of chastity but I don't believe in the um, I don't believe in prohibiting same sex marriage on the legal in a legal in the in the legal realm I might disagree with you i I'm, I'm not if that if that's, if that's what you think but honestly the covenant that we make with God. Don't deal with how we uh, w- of how we view about our po- politics in that regards. The covenants we make of God don't deal with you know what we think about rated our movies. The covenants we make of God don't deal with those things. They, they deal with serving others, serving God, standing witnesses of God. Now I think that in many things when we make when we when we keep the covenants of God, we will and uh, over time we will become the kinds of people who align our our will with the teachings and counsel of the prophets and apostles over time. But I think that. When we focus on those covenants, those other those other issues generally fall to the background. They become less important. They become the less to focus.
0: Okay. So again, it's about priorities in a sense. It's, yeah. it's it's a shift. Okay. Well, with that being said, what what's been some of the response that you've received? You've have alluded to it a little bit, but what what have been some of the the responses that you've received specifically to this article?
1: Um Honestly, a lot of people seem to really appreciate it. The original blog post uh, the original author the, the, the blog I was responding to surprised me by commenting on it and saying, you know, you, basically I can read her I can read her comment right here. She just says, I feel awkward doing this, but I kind of had to get out of the way. I'm the author of the original blog. I was a little nervous to read the response simply because not all of the comments and responses have been kind. But I love, love, love these thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing them. I'm grateful uh, for your humility, your kindness, and your words. You articulated a lot of thoughts that I actually share, but wasn't able to communicate clearly. Do you mind if I share this response on my own blog? This this response surprised me. I felt like this, was, um, this, this, this really changed... This helped change my view of the original blog author and of the original blog post as well. I think that the, author, the original author and I probably agree on most things, but we just have a different background and experience in, and basically experience in blogging and experience in writing about these ideas and and expressing them. Essentially, so,
0: excellent. That's that that in and of itself is a good message because. Typically, blogging and commenting on blogs is a very knee-jerk response.
1: Well, so. I've I, I, I've seen some of the responses that she's given to that she's talking about, where they just haven't been kind. They've made a lot of assumptions about her that are not kind, and I and I think that oftentimes we 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 all make these assumptions. Like for example, when she says, you know, I support same-sex marriage and this and that, I made assumptions about her, you know, and 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 that that kind of fed into how I read the rest of her blog post, yeah, and. I think those those assumptions were false, and I think that we we all ought to avoid making assumptions about, about others b- because of these because of these sorts of issues. Like, I disagree with her on same-sex marriage, I'm, I presume, because I, 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 I'm against same-sex marriage. She's a favorite, so we presumably disagree on a lot of things. And I think that in some ways, I believe that those who support same-sex marriage probably do so in part because they adopt the philosophy of expressive individualism, which I talked about in this post. Mm-hmm. So. But but when you but when I when you read what she actually wrote though, there's much less of the, 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 that assumption doesn't feed into her beliefs about what you know the church as much as much as I thought they originally did when I first read the post. Okay, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. So uh, we will go ahead and post a link to your mm-hmm. article uh, at at the posting of this episode at blog.fairmormon.org, and we encourage people to go and read the full article and and get the, the sense and spirit of what you were writing there. And we encourage people to comment, uh, perhaps not so knee-jerk, but comment uh, to both of these, uh, the article and our posting and give us some feedback on, on your responses and your thoughts. So thank you very much, Jeffrey
1: Thane. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Articles of Faith with your host, Nick Galletti. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org. Tune in each Monday for another episode of Articles of Faith. Thank you for listening.